Hey everybody, it is Corey Poirier and I'm super excited to be back with the latest edition of the show. I'm super excited as well to have a first time guest with us today. Uh, our listeners know that I love bringing on first time guests. Um, one of the great things about first time guests is I get to learn as much about them as the listeners do. And so this is no exception. Uh, so I'm so excited to bring on Tony Olivadas uh, to uh, our show here and Tony, where I'd like to start, and tell me if I, if I got your name, if I butchered the last name at all, uh, but Tony, so excited to bring you on here, and where I'd like to start is to maybe get you to tell us a little bit about your backstory and journey. Okay, well, I'll uh, start with, uh, born in 1976, uh, my mother and father met in Modesto, California. I was born and raised in Modesto, California. Uh, mother and father separated at the age of seven, um, somehow managed to have two more children, a total of six of us. Um, mother went on forward to raising all of us on her own. Um, things were a little rocky. I became the second parent at a very young age, um, exempting any type of uh, childhood, per se, uh, so to speak, and throwing me into adult mode um, very young, always uh, being the responsible individual. Uh, fast forward, um, my upbringing in late elementary school, junior high, and high school was very um, challenging for me. Uh, being a, a gay male, now that I know that I am, <laughs> then I wasn't aware of always being the uh, shy, um, uh, handsome young boy that I was uh, at a young age, and uh, not very much liked by the other boys being bullied and picked on and uh, revolting me to um, withdraw from crowds and um, succumb to drug use and alcohol consumption at uh, large volumes at a very young age, at the age of 15, being exposed to um, the gay community in its entirety, uh, meeting older people through friends in high school, getting into nightclubs through the back door. Um, drugs were very uh, accessible to me. Um, got involved in that for quite a few years. Um, landed a really great job in the retail industry in which I'm doing right now at the age of 21. Um, started making really good money, started partying on the weekends, having a really good time, and um, kind of lost myself in my 20s. Mind you, I'm 44 today. Uh, got in trouble with the law as far as DUIs, uh, no accidents, thankfully. And by the age of 30, I had realized um, for the second time uh, entering treatment that I had to make a change in my life. All the while on that journey, making that change, um, I had struggled with um, divulging to myself and facing the past as my upbringing and rewiring my brain into what my core beliefs were and how my life, uh, how my life was being lived and how it should be lived. Um, in the process of that journey, I um, found that my why, or excuse me, my passion, my vocation, is to help other individuals uh, find the reasoning behind their erratic behavior, if you will, and how to break the cycle um, in, in whatever means or capacity they would like to do to have a better quality of life than what they had had before. Um, I find myself more so now uh, being very... Um, cautious of how I speak before or, or, th or to think before I speak 
and um, I would say that has to do a lot with um, trial and error in my past of always trying to get out the um, being the right part being being Mr. Right and, and, and not really knowing the answers. Um, and I do apologize for this story being all over the place. I'm oh, no, trying it's, to, it's all good. I'm trying to dissect my brain, so I'm a little nervous. But um, in the process of my sobriety, because that's very important to me, that's, it's, not, it's not a part of my life. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I, I rarely speak of it because it's not something that I need to pat myself on the back for. It's just a choice that was made. And I'd like to say... Um, was helped by the universe in a sense when I screamed out and said, I, I need help. I'm, I'm done. Um, changed my way of life and, and, and gave me the opportunity to really see myself for who I am and what my mission in life is. And I know that my why, as far as the book that has been previously written uh, by the individual I'm sitting before, Corey Poirier, uh, is to ensure that I don't have just an impact on society, but to leave a legacy. There's a burning desire within me um, that people, and this isn't with ego, that people know who I am and what I'm about. And it's important to me because I believe that if I can change my life and pursue even the most minute dream and, and, and really tap into my potential um, with the help of others, and again, of course, Corey, um, you inspire me catastrophically. Um, being diligent, being, I mean, just being on me. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be having this call today, you know. Um, and just being that role model that I believe everyone should, should look up to. Um, I wouldn't be on the path I am at the moment. And I do my best to, to see the potential in everybody and in every situation. Um, there's always a positive side to a negative story. And uh, I know that there's much more detail of mine, um, of trials and tribulations that have taken place in the past couple decades that really have shaped me into the individual that sits before you. Um, but moving forward with my why is definitely um, something that I know to be true is that everybody has a story. Everyone, uh, even, even the neighbor down the street in the perfect white picket fence house, the two cars, the dog, the two kids, and you know, the perfect life has um, a story to tell to got them where they are today. Uh, they may not even be aware of it, but it's true. Um, I've met countless people, um, most in my family, circles of friends, um, friends of friends, coworkers, uh, complete strangers who um, weren't aware that their characteristics were dictated by their past, weren't aware of the little quirks and things that they do or their fears that their life is based on was dictated from their past. Um, And I, I pick up on that really quick. I'm a very, um, I'm a deep, a deep filler, I guess, an empath, empathist mm-hmm. of some sort. And I really feed off of people's energy. Um, my intuition is 
pretty on keen. I wish it weren't at times, but, uh, you know, I can walk into a room and it used, you know, the saying that says I used to walk into a room and, and wonder if people liked me. Now I walk into a room and wonder if I'm going to get along with anybody or even want to be around anybody. Mm. Um, I, I know within moments because of the energy I'm feeling, um, my vibration is upbeat most of the time. And if it's not, then I, I try to withdraw and, and really fine tune myself and where I'm at. Where have I been? Who have I engaged with? What's my thinking like? You know, what am I telling myself? Um, and that all ties in with not just my personal, but with my business as well. You know, being at work, um, I have to be that coach, mentor, um, you know, the, the team leader, if you will, um, the, the delegator. And I have to really uh, not necessarily uh, navigate, but I have to fill out the 52 employees that I'm working with on a daily, you know, nine to 10 hours a day and go, all right, who's going this way and this not? And so it's it's a lot when you when you take your own behavior and, and your past and how that creates you or dictates you and, and your emotions and then perceive someone else's and kind of try to relate and come from where are they coming from and then you know observe, make the assessment and then execute what it is I can do for this individual to elevate them to where I need them to be. Uh, it, it, it's really pretty amazing how when I say, you know, one of my favorite hashtags is everything connects because everything does connect. And um, whether we want to believe that or not, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it weren't for you per se, because I'd, I'd be somewhere else. So, it just all makes sense to me how everything pans out. And, and we started conversating about working together. I think it was four years ago and I'm finally just now touching down. So I know that all in timing for the universe to, to put things together and, and how it works out. And um, I will say that COVID-19 has taught me quite a few things about myself, uh, patience, um, my wants. Um, are they necessary? Or are they not? Uh, and I, really this whole timing of being able to have this zoom call with you has showed me, um, what it takes to be disciplined enough to make a commitment. And I, I feel that's where I fail is having commitment going, Oh, I'd rather just sleep in today. I, I didn't go to bed till 3am. You know, I got out of work at two, but moving forward, this is how people do it. You know, um, I never heard anybody said, yeah, I got, you know, I got a uh, 45 hours of sleep this week and I feel great and I'm totally successful, you know, and, and, and mind you, sleep is important. However, sometimes you just have to be, it's that grit that you have to find within yourself to make things happen. And I, I feel that that goes back to when I was younger and, you know, mom would be at work at one of her three jobs and I'd be like, Oh, I have to get all this stuff done. I'd rush home from school and get things tidied up and, you know, get dinner on the table and, 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 and get laundry going and, and, be responsible so uh, it used to be at a point where my upbringing was kind of resentful I was angry with my mother for quite a few years and one day it just hit me that we do the best we can with what we're given and sometimes that has to be okay and as long as you accept it and let it go it doesn't have to own you anymore you know, and the power of uh, my thoughts are just 
it, it's amazing to me of how you can change things and make things happen just by the simple um, change up in the way you think about things. Wow, so there's a couple of things uh, I'd love to, or directions I'd like to go and I'll call it things I have to unpack there. But the two biggest things I wanted to talk about or ask you about, Tony, one is about the, the world that you're in now with retail and, and you know, the, that business and industry that you're in. How do you feel that industry and the things you've learned so far have set you up for the next part of your life? And when I say that, I mean the next part of your life, you know, could include retail for the rest of your life. But obviously, when you're also coaching and helping other people, how do you feel retail has set you up for that as well? So the retail industry, well, my job, for, for instance, it, in, in a nutshell, is giving me the opportunity with trial and error, not just with employees, but with guests as well. And I feel that that is where I really um, can execute for the next level of where I want my life to be. Honestly, Corey, I want to be sitting where you're sitting one day, mm -hmm. you know, um, and doing what you're doing. And even though it may be I'm doing such a thing in the shadows, but I want it to be my sole career. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be working till 1am in the morning uh, at a job lifting 50 pound cases of water, you know, doing those physical things. I really want to utilize my core. But back to your question is that people are walking around with uncertainty. There's no trust for a lot of things anymore. What was once a norm and an everyday, um, I don't even think about it. I just go to the grocery store. Now it's a, are you wearing a mask? Did I wipe my hands? Is that person sick? They just sneezed. Um, so what has happened for me personally is that there's a no fear boundary anymore. I've worked at, I think, 10 different stores since COVID hit in different regions of California um, because they needed my help somewhere. And going into places, not knowing who may be infected or who's not. Um, it really, I don't want to say it makes you callous, but it kind of just says, well, it is what it is for the lack of a better way to put it. And I have a job to do my job back to the guest. My job is to ensure that everyone has a positive experience. I don't know what you're going through and it's not any of my business, but what my business is, is to make sure that you have a good time and you enjoy yourself and you feel comfortable. And I'd like to think that I do a great job at that. Um, even with just small talk, how are things going today? What's for dinner? Good to see you again. Some people, that's their social outlet. They're not working right now or they're working from home. They're trapped all day in their house for 10 hours, you know, with the kids not going to school. Um, it really does make you just more than just, um, and I don't like the word essential worker because whether or not COVID was happening or not, I'd still be working. Gratefully, I am. I'm very grateful for that. But uh, it really has taught me to just put my ego aside, not judge people. Um, I don't know why Mrs. Smith is buying 10 gallons of water. I don't. She does it every day. I don't know why Mr. Mr. Johnson is you know, uh, taking his time and he's in the store for two hours but only buys a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread. I don't know why. But I have an idea. What I do know is that um, it, it brings me closer to um, a society where we don't have a lot of free thinkers. People want to know, okay, so what do I do next? Where, where do I go next? 
And with someone like me, what has taught me as well is that when you look at the economy side of it, a lot of people are not working. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are having to work from home now, which they look forward to going to the office. Um, everything's on the table. At any given moment, my job could be gone. At any given moment, a robot could come in and just take my job, really. And so, it, like I said earlier in this answer, was that the no fear has just been pushed away because I feel now that anything is possible. And that if I, if I want to jump, per se, mind you, real quick, I moved from Long Beach to Sacramento a little over a year and a half ago. I was waiting tables in a restaurant, but I decided to come back to retail. That was the universe helping me out once again, because had I been in LA when COVID hit, I'd be jobless. You know, things would have looked real ugly. And for this guy, I don't do well not working. <laughs> Even if I had some type of income coming in, I have to be doing something. So um, I know that being a risk taker is not wrong. I know that being frugal is not wrong. It's taught me how to be a minimalist to an extent to where um, I take my lunch to work instead of buying it every day. Um, I'm very mindful of how I spend money because I don't know, um, I don't know what's going to happen with the industry uh, when the economy does open back up full blown. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, companies are shifting. Uh, I know I'm in a good position being a manager. Uh, they'll work me to the bone if they have to, <laughs> to get things done. We really don't need the people at the bottom of the totem pole, but, uh, it's taught me discipline. It's taught me um, to, to not have any fear. It's taught me to be a, a innovator. You definitely have to think, be quick-witted and think on your feet on, on, on what you got to do next. Um, and it's taught me to have more compassion for my fellow man, um, especially the elderly generation. Um, they're really lost in it. When COVID first hit in, in March, I had a young... I don't want to say young, but she was an elderly woman. She came in and she couldn't understand why we didn't have chicken on the, on the shelf. Why were the shelves empty? And I mean, it was to the point, Corey, where I remember driving to work at 5 a.m. in the morning, second weekend, and crying because I thought, like, this is it. We're going into a Cold War, game over. I mean, my stinking thinking really got the best of me. My fear really had a hold of me. And... I, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I got things to do. <laughs> I got places to see, people to impact. I got things I want to do. This can't be it. And it took me a good solid two weeks to get out of that funk. Because being around a massive majority where everyone's just frantic and going, oh, my God. Um, buying, I mean, basketfuls of groceries, just stocking up like it was never to come again. It was very uh, frightening. You know, having UC students ask me, is there going to be any more food on the shelf? Very, very, it hits home, you know? And, and so coming from a background where things were scarce in my upbringing and sometimes the electricity got turned off, sometimes the rent didn't get paid, sometimes we had to move, um, sometimes we didn't get to eat dinner before we went to bed, um, sometimes we didn't have clean clothes when we went to school. It just, the way it was, threw me back into that mode of survival and going, okay, I'm going to be okay. How can I make sure everyone else around me is? Attitude. Attitude is everything. Wow. So my last question is, what does the future look like for Tony? So having said all that, um, I know we don't have crystal balls, but 
you know, what Correct. do you what do you think, and what what do you imagine the future looking like for you now that you know what you know? So, <clears throat> so what is in the forefront of my mind is moving back to Southern California. Um, I don't like the weather here in Northern California, even though this is where I'm from. Uh, I miss the ocean tremendously, even though I'm two, uh, about an hour and a half away from it. Um, mind you, I lived three blocks from it two years ago. <laughs> so it, it's a big difference, and the culture's different. But for the future, is definitely moving back to SoCal. Um, continuing on this journey of uh, working with you, uh, definitely um, getting a routine where... I wake up in the morning and maybe write down my ideas and my thoughts. I'm very functional in the morning when I wake up. I mean, things are just firing off. <clears throat> Excuse me, ideas and um, maybe uh, learning how to utilize this laptop I just bought and, and uh, start writing um, writing my thoughts, my feelings, my memories, and, and, and maybe putting them into a small book. Uh, I do know that I don't want to stop going in the direction I'm going at this very moment. I, I know that it's possible, uh, not only you, but um, but when Les Brown speaks, I feel like he's talking to me. I, I really feel like that man is, I listen to him on the way to work every now and then. And when I, every time I put it on, it sounds like he's talking to me. And I'm like, how does this guy know? You know, <laughs> it, it, it just, those stories, your stories, your books, they resonate with me to the extent where you give people the power if they see it. If I can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you did comedy and you did improv because I did that when I was in, in, in Long Beach. I started out, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. That's what I want to do. I did improv. I didn't like it. I went to Toastmasters though and I felt like I was on fire. I, I felt so good about that, just standing in front of people and talking. Uh, delivering a message. Um, I really do want to continue um, on this path that is slowly like a dripping water on a rock breaking through because I know that I'm capable. And it took me, probably took me 44 years to believe that, that I was worth what it is I'm dreaming of and that they can come true. Um, if, you, if you looked at my Instagram feeds or my Facebook feeds, um, the majority of things that I feed my mind in is, you know, positivity and um, like-minded people who are not trying, but are changing the world as we speak and, and leaving a legacy um, such as yourself, Gary Vaynerchuk, Les Brown, um, uh, Jack Kawasaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I think that's how you say his name. Um, what's his name? Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, Jack Kingfield one of my favorite authors as well. Um, I can't get enough of that. And uh, I know that at one point in my life, I was once broken, but I know that my journey, thanks to my Buddhism chanting, is that this is all part of my karma. And this is all part of my process. And I'm enjoying it. Very grateful. Awesome. Well, you're definitely on the right path. And, uh, and I'm simply humbled. I mean, to, to mention me in the same sentence as some of those thought leaders that I've been lucky enough to interview and spend time with. But, you know, I, yeah, I have to say humbled by that. And, uh, and I do believe, Tony, that you're on the right 
path. And I also, you know, I look back whenever I was first starting my journey in business. And I mean, I remember I was in sales for a number of years and sales is feast or famine. As you know, it's like you make a commission check or you don't. And we had times where the economy was struggling. And so we're getting this tiny base salary that you can't live off. And then you're making money off your commissions. And then I would have this big month, but I wasn't going to get paid for six weeks. And I remember going to Money Mart. So, you know, the payday loan places, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to get money just to keep me going through the next two weeks. Right. And at that time, it was hard to visualize me going to the direction I wanted to ultimately go. You know, and it took a lot of years, but I feel like, you know, I'm where I want to be now. And it, right. you know, what I'm getting at is when I, if you looked at me at that part of my journey, people would have said, ah, he's not going to get there. Right. Or, you know, being raised by a single mother and, couldn't afford to go to college and stuff, people would say, nah, he's not going to get there. And so I've learned that I put a quote up the other day that it's not what happens to you. It's what you do next. And I truly right. believe that. So your back, your backstory doesn't have to dictate anything to do with your future. At the same time, your journey and your backstory is the direct result of your future. You know, so you being sober now, all the stuff you went through as an addict, or you um, coming out and, and realizing, you know, that part of your life, I believe those things are going to just make you stronger and they're going to become part of the story that allows you to, as you said earlier, impact other people's lives and raise their vibration. So I believe you're on the right track. I, uh, I get a loss for words when I, when I, when I find myself overcoming something that I I was afraid of and looking back and going, Oh man, you know, seven years ago, I was just a retail manager. And one day I told a buddy of mine, when I, when I just moved to Long Beach, I said, I have the ability to do something different, but I don't know what it is. I'm not making enough money what I'm doing right now. He was working at a restaurant. Long story short, he got me a job at his restaurant. I learned how to carry a serving tray in two days. Within six months, I was a banquet captain running banquet parties of 50 plus people you know managing that and and all the while taking orders and doing all these things and um that was a big fear of mine learning an entire menu you know and so when i look at people at work in business and in life um my own siblings you know wanting to do something different but no i i don't what if it doesn't work you can't think that way because what i've learned is that once we take a step forward in the direction we want to go. It's never a straight line. Just like you said, people would look at you and think, Oh my God, he's not going to make it. What is he doing? But you knew you were. And for the simple belief system, Corey, you keeping on me and keep sending me messages and keeping me involved is what catapulted me into believing like, wait a minute, this guy wouldn't be wasting his time on just anybody. People don't do that. See, the business side of you, the sales pitch man of you, wouldn't do that. You just wouldn't if you didn't know that there's something here. There's something going on. You know, I sold life insurance. It's funny you mentioned sales. I sold life insurance when I was in L.A. as well on the side along with waiting tables. And I, it was just painstaking. But it's what I had to do in order to get where I needed to be financially. And um, being the kind of person that's... I'll change my mind just like that. And, and, and it's probably why I'm single. <laughs> it's because I'm, I'm just, nope, that's not what we're going to do. This is the direction we're going to go. Just switch it around. And that's what I did when I moved back to Northern California. Um, I had a, a surfing job in Manhattan Beach. And uh, 
went in one day and they're just like, you know what? It's not working out. Okay. Wasn't upset. I said, all right. Got in the car, drove home. Went, okay, what am I going to do? I was depressed for two months, you know, really sad, but I got into action, made things happen, started Ubering, started working for Uber. And it gave me a lot of time to think of where I wanted to go. And if you've ever been in an Uber and been with a driver that likes to talk, that's kind of a stage for anybody who wants to do what you're doing or what I want to do, you know? Um, and I made it just that, you know, I fed people positive affirmations. I gave them positive insights. Some people I was counseling, you know, they had some real issues and, and I didn't feel like a job. It felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It inspired me to keep going. So I made the decision to move back up here to become financially stable, which wasn't a bad move because it really made me, it gave me the opportunity to sit back and observe my own life and where I'm failing myself. And, and that goes back to the discipline, um, the lack of commitment, um, having a strategy, um, journaling like I should be doing anyways, um, writing things down because if you write things down, they do come to fruition. Um, the more you write them down, you see them and you move forward with them uh, to completion. But um, that's, I feel, where I fell is where if someone pushes me with yourself and telling me, hey, this is what we're going to do or how would you like to do this? Then it's, and it's like, yeah, you know, that sounds like a great idea. And you, and you held me accountable, you know, and, and, and I like that because I'm the kind of person where, yes, I'm an adult, I'm a grown man. However, the child inside of me sometimes still needs that parent around to go, this is what's going to help you. And I think that's why life coaches and, and coaches and mentors and so forth are phenomenal because uh, someone like me comes along and, and I think it's good that I see that, you know, because uh, not everybody thinks that way. I have friends. Um, matter of fact, the majority, I would say 99.9% .9 of the people on the round on a daily don't think like I do. They don't. I have one gentleman at work that thinks like I do, but he, uh, He's a thought leader, but he's too afraid to, to break the mold that he's put himself in. And I, and I get it. Uh, people, we get comfortable and we get into routines. And um, if the water's safe here, why am I going to leave? You know, right. so, but I'm not like that because Les Brown said it best. If there's something inside of you, if you're going to a job every day and there's something inside of you that says, I don't want to go, I don't want to do this, then what are you doing? And I think about that. So the logical is like, well, I got to make money. That's what I'm doing. The emotion says, you know, there's a better way. Just work on that on your downtime. Mm -hmm. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk says it best. He's like, what are you doing with the rest of your, with your day? And so I look back at them like, oh God, that's horrible. <laughs> I spent a good hour and a half figuring out what I'm going to eat and then eating. <laughs> that's a lot of time, you know? Um, and so I can get sidetracked really easy, but, uh, to write things down or to have a format for myself really helps me focus and just look at what it is I'm capable, capable of. And so I know that my future for me holds one, whatever I want it to. And that means whatever I want it to, because, you know, um, uh, so as long as that it's, I think my burning desire, my passion really is to do exactly what it is you do. And, and all those people that you've interviewed in, in the past, and um, I know that, and I know that that's going to happen. I really believe that. Um, I'm getting emotional, sorry. No, uh, you know, when, when I saw my picture in your book, and I thought, 
little me <laughs> from Modesto, California, who grew up with a single parent, is in a book that is sold around the world. And I was so excited about that. And uh, I just showed my nephew this actually just the other day. I hadn't seen him. And I said, you see this right here? He's like, yeah. I go, I'm in it. He goes, no, you're not. I opened it up. What? Yes. Yeah. I go, how many people do you know are in the book? And the look on his face and he's like, really? And, and I thought about that to myself and I said, this is proof that anything's possible, but you have to have people to help you. I'm very, I'm very grateful for you, Derry. Wow. Well, you just made my week, Tony. And what I'm going to do while I think of it, I'm going to make a note. Uh, I want to send you the uh, newer copy of the book because uh, I think the one you got was from a bit ago. And um, the new one is the one that was put through the publisher with Morgan James. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure you have the other version of it so you can show people as well. Um, because not, it honestly, it doesn't, as you know, it doesn't matter to me that it's a bestseller, but on the top it says international bestseller and all that stuff. So the next time you show it to somebody and say, look, any, you know, if I can be in this book, I can do anything. You right. know, I agree that for them to see in the top new, uh, bestseller. And then right. uh, the uh, person who wrote the forward in the new version is James Redfield wrote the Celestine Prophecy. And so, yeah. So I want you to get the newest, latest version of the book. So I'll make sure to send that to you. Nice. You just made my week. So thank you. Well, it's just very, like, even when you, you had mentioned, I mean, you didn't even know me and we were just, we just connected. I was just following you on Facebook and how you presented that to me was just in disbelief. And I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. And even after I had sent that email at two o'clock in the morning, I think it was, I woke up and was like, okay, this is it. I had forgotten about it and went about my you know life and and here you were just pulling through and 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 to have that is very um that's a big push for someone like me it's a motivator honestly and i think about that and why stop there um you know uh the mountain and it's not even i really can't say that i look at struggles as struggles anymore i look them as i look at them as opportunities for growth and I really thank um, yourself and, and, and those thought leaders that I mentioned prior for that because, and, and along with my, my Buddha chanting and, and my beliefs that those are there for us to become who we're supposed to be. Everything we are meant to be is already locked inside. We just have these challenges to come along to unlock it. And we have two choices. We really do. We either fall back and let life happen or we persevere and push through and make life happen. And I've been learning more now lately that I I'm making life happen. I'm making these choices and, and, and pushing forward. See life happening to me would have been telling you like, Oh, tomorrow won't work. I can't, even though I'm off today, I can't, I can't tomorrow. That's life just happening to me. But I was like, no, we got to make this happen. I'm going to put off what I got to do. And I'm going to make a commitment to this and I'm going to share with this gentleman uh, what I need to share in order to do what it is that I was set out to do. And um, I really hope that I have the opportunity once COVID's over and we can get back to some type of normalcy here that uh, I share a stage with you. That would blow my mind. Literally, you know, um, I can't remember the gentleman Les Brown said he looked up to, but he remembers that 
the guy canceled in a show back in back in the east and he ended up speaking for him but uh it brought you to mind when when i heard that in his podcast and i thought wouldn't that be great <laughs> if i got called upon you know and and and, and all my friends kind of laugh at me from time to time and tell me that i'm a big dreamer but if i don't have those dreams what am i doing i know that they're, i know that they're possible and uh again i i really I really thank you a lot from the bottom of my soul that you've given me the opportunity to even speak with you because I know that um, you're a very busy man and um, who am I, small small town boy from Modesto, California, you know? Not for long. Um, so, Tony, I, I so appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's so humbling. Um, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Les Brown, so everything you said I would echo. So, you know, thank you so much for sharing with us today. You shared so much great insight. Um, it's so cool to hear so much of your story that I wouldn't have known otherwise. So thank you for, uh, for like you said, making things happen today rather than letting them happen to you. Right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.